Hey guys, welcome back to Baby Got Back In. This is the podcast where I talk about the boring inverted commas shit that we all don't like to deal with in our businesses, our small creative businesses, and we try and fix some stuff and we chat to people who are doing the same sort of stuff. And today we have Ben Journey on from Side Project Films. How are you going? Kia ora. I'm doing well, man. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, oh, that's okay. I said your name right, right? <laughs> uh, ben Journey. It is uh, his French last name, but yeah, everyone everyone says it as Journey. But you know, that's just that's just the curse of having a weird last name. You know, <laughs> I should have asked you that at the start. This podcast is professional. Um, yeah. Anyway, um, and and other brands and other things that you do, and that's something that we'll get into. Um, but I think what we should start with is is kind of that classic question. What you had had you get into doing wedding films, which is like your primary mm. your primary sort of thing that you do. Indeed. Um yeah. So the the origin story as it was. Um yeah, so my my wedding film business is called Side Project Films. And um the name for that came from uh when I used to dance. So I used to be a dancer and um huh danced for years and years and years and uh, my now wife and I and my sister and a bunch of friends uh, had a dance crew called Side Project and we just <laughs> like, yeah, um, made up dances and all that kind of dancey stuff. <laughs> and uh, for my 21st birthday, I got, I got a camera for my birthday and uh, we started making little movies, little like dance movies, little like weird cinematic things, started chucking them on YouTube. Um, I started getting more and more into sort of inverted commas filmmaking um and when the dance crew sort of fizzled away i kept the name and side project became the name of my company and uh weddings was basically just a outlet for making some money from using my camera so i sort of start, started right. seeing all the kind of you know sort of cinematic DSLR wedding films coming out of the States and going, you know, no one's really doing it. There was a couple of people doing it here, but not, no one's really doing it much here. So why don't I just give it a go? And mm. I um, ended up filming my ex-girlfriend's wedding for free. That was the first wedding I both filmed and attended. <laughs> and um, well, <laughs> that was, yeah. Um, that's, yeah. See, I didn't know did that. It. And that's one of those funny things that like I, I, I assume that that, that that little nugget has been brought out on many a conversation or, or a podcast yeah. or an Instagram live or something and the reaction, that's yeah. classic. Yeah, man. And um, it's just, yeah, um, obviously didn't do my um, didn't do my research around planning um, what happens at a wedding because I, um, in my artiste vision, wanted to get a lovely shot of um, the bride uh, leaving in her car after she'd gotten ready, leaving for, for the church. And I got the lovely shot and I was really happy. I was like, cool, I was meander back to my car and head over and as, as i was driving t- to the church i was like she's gonna arrive and just walk straight into that church and i'm not gonna be there <laughs> and i i I, I, I missed her walking down the aisle i did um and that was the first wedding i ever shot i missed the bride walking down the aisle so we learn these things yeah we we, we learn on the job that's very much my modus operandi is just figure shit out as you go <laughs> I don't think that's such a bad way of doing it. Look, I mean, you know, it, what, what, what is she, you know, I, I don't, 
do I want to ask how that turned up? I mean, she was already look, look, that, your ex girlfriend. They were stoked. Like it was, like, it, it was free, freebie. They were super stoked. I like, yeah, they were super happy. They like she's messaged me like you know years later saying that she still watches a wedding film and loves it. And yeah, oh, that's good. That's what you want because yeah. I wonder often how many people, and I think these days it's better because wedding films are better. And this is, I think, a good talking point. But mm. you're like, how do you see that? Because some, I just sometimes used to see wedding films. And I'm like, who's going to watch that again? Like, I don't give a shit. And I'm not care. And I, and I was there. I know them. And in, mm. I mean, other than the couple, yeah. I mean, it's it just goes like. I mean, wedding films as we know them now are a relatively new art form compared to photography. W- w- mm. Wedding photography, wedding photography mm. is much more, much more established sort of medium. You know, people have people have been figuring out what a quote unquote cinematic wedding film is mm. only for like ten years or so. So, mm. um, yeah, it's no surprise that those early ones were just. Uh, whole lot of hot mess a lot of the time <laughs> i mean the, the, you, you can still get ones that are hot mess but you know yeah, not, uh, neither uh, here nor yeah there. Let, let's not talk about it yeah. as if it's a time that is long gone uh <laughs> yeah. i'm not saying anything more than that i think <laughs> i know that you, you want to say um i think i think why why i reach out to you to come on because i was interested in how that you've from doing that, and you've been doing that for a number of years now, um, and your films are great. Like you know, you you, you okay. now you know what you're doing, and I do understand that idea of we're like we are always learning. But I do feel like it's pretty clear that you're at a you're at a point now where you're like, yeah, I, I got this, and now I can start uh, fucking with this or mm. experimenting with this or doing this. Um, when when did you decide that you wanted to do a podcast about this stuff? Like, what was the mm. what was the method behind that and the idea behind that so look i'm i love like what's the what's the word for it like grassroots education like like that's how i learned my shit is just watching videos on youtube and figuring it out and i guess i wanted to sort of i guess be part of that conversation and be part of um you know uh you know, like teaching people, like giving back. I I, I, I like the act of t- teaching. I've taught all the way back in my dance days. I, when I was a dancer, I was also a dance teacher. And, you know, the yeah. act of like educating and teaching and sharing knowledge, um, I love it. And so I, a pod, mm. the, the podcast format was a way to – I tried out different things before. I tried YouTube. I tried little – little YouTube videos. Um, but like the one way aspect of that felt a bit stale and forced, like sitting down in front of a camera and just yeah. reading a script to it. Like I was always sort of somewhat happy with the end result, but the podcast, like as soon as I started podcasting and having proper conversations with people, I was like, I just got hooked, you know, and especially when it started to, it mm. started to be a way to meet new people. You know, you, you always start off podcasting talk, mm. talking to the talk, talking to your friends to people you know but then as soon as i recorded my first episode with someone who i'd never met before and i used the podcast as a way to like introduce myself and sort of reach out to these wedding filmmakers that i'd looked up to and it was basically mm. without a podcast i would have never gotten to sit down and chat with them for an hour it was at that point i was like mm. this is amazing like 
the podcasting is awesome. So yeah, it's as much, it's been as, as much of it a, a networking tool as a as an educational outlet for me. And I think that it's okay to 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 just even talk about it like it is. Like no one's like we're we're not always just going out and being a hundred percent. It's like what we were talking about before the show. Like there's there's always there's always a good reason uh, in terms of in terms of business and I, and I don't, and I, I hesitate to use that word, but that's what it is. Um, that this is a good thing. Like this is a good thing to go, okay, let's, let's ratchet this up. Like let's mm. step up to here. And like, it's okay to do that. Like, but we, we don't, we're not doing it in a shitty way. We're just doing it in a way that is quite genuine. Um, Cause good conversations lead to better conversations, lead to good relationships, lead to better relationships. And so I, I think, I think like, even identifying it as something that is like this is this is not a waste of time. This is not just a hobby. This is something that's really relevant to um, communicating as myself and as my brand and that. Like, I totally agree. Um, do you do you feel like it was one of those things that assume like you were quite but that that first that first person that you didn't know was it this huge gap and you were like surprised at how eager they were to be like, oh, yeah, I'll fucking come and talk to you. Like, yeah. I'll talk about myself and we'll talk about ourselves together and that's cool. Mm. Like, were you surprised at how sort of easy it, it kind of was? Yeah, because, I mean, the, the the facade of social media is good at putting people on pedestals and, yeah. you know, like people craft these visions of themselves and, like, it's easy to, I guess, like, idolize people and like think that, you know, they would never want to talk to me. Um, but yeah. as soon as you actually just like reach out and that first email reply comes back and you actually just start having a conversation, it's like, Oh, they're just normal, normal people just like me. And they, yeah. you know, we're in the same field of business and we've you know, got heaps in common and just gonna yeah, have, totally. a, have a chat. So it's, yeah. It, yeah. I don't know. It was, it was cool. And just, got me totally, totally hooked on this whole format. Well, it's such a great format because for me, the thing that I've always said is that it's it's so time efficient and it's so friendly mm. to it's so friendly to how we live in the modern day, especially now with tools to actually be able to do all this stuff. Like right now, I don't know, I'm not I haven't really talked about it on this pod before, but like right now we are talking obviously across the Tasman. Um uh, via via Zencaster mm. and everything's being recorded at a pretty high quality yeah. while we record and we can see each other and it all works with our microphones that we've got that we can plug into our computer. So, I mean, it's all pretty amazing. Like the fact that even 10 years ago, mm. I think... It's a pretty low barrier to entry, to be honest. It's actually a, re- it's a really low barrier to entry. And here's, here's the thing. Do you, did you during, like, you guys are pretty COVID good now. And so we're in, in Queensland and we're pretty good. Mm. Um, Australia's pretty good, actually. We're mm. doing good. Yeah. Um, and just, just, just as we kind of get, seem to be getting a handle on COVID, then, you know, New South Wales goes and gets absolutely flooded. But yeah. classic, you know, bushfires, COVID, floods, yeah. like everything's happening. But um, do you feel like during, as someone who, and you've been doing this for a couple of years now, you know, mm. you've got, um, I think, somewhat a regular, uh, the with the pod, but like always, always quality guests and really well invested in that time in that in that way. Um, kind of like my podcast. It's kind of, you know, we, 
we'll just do it when we get. But have you noticed that like you've got this, you know what you, you know what you're doing with your audio now, you got your video, mm. and then you're seeing during COVID all these people doing like broadcast television remotely and just absolutely being shit at it and just laughing. <laughs> well, I mean, look, I to, I like I said earlier, I'm something someone who just will do I'm I'm like the antithesis of a perfectionist. Like I will, I will just do shit and figure it out and it won't be perfect. But I'm like, I'm, I'm of the, the mentality that it's better just to do something and do it poorly and learn from it and then do it again than to not do something and sit in a room trying to figure out how to do it perfectly. So Mm. like, yeah, like if you go back and listen, like listen or watch my first like podcast episodes, like they'll sound way worse than than my <laughs> newer ones because I'm just I'm figuring shit out as I go. And oh, but that's yeah. why that's why most of my first like podcasts that ran for like 30 episodes, what do you make is not on the internet right now. <laughs> like they don't exist. You can't fucking find them. Don't listen to them. <laughs> it's not good. It's not good. Uh don't look back. Don't look back. I, but I think that's a good I, manual. I find that imperfection endearing, you know, because for me, someone seeing someone who's trying something and giving it a go, um, and not and and it's not perfect and they're still doing it anyway, I'm like, right on. Like that's that's awesome, you know? Like I think a lot of people um let perfection be the enemy of the good. You know, yeah. like they they will hold on to something and hold on to something, um, fearing the the judgment of others and not put something out there, and you know they just who knows what could have been if people just are a little more free with just figuring stuff out as they go. Mm. You know, mm. um, I mean, it's, 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 it's like it's it's. It's it's only like it's one way of doing it because I know like one of my best friends he is a perfectionist and everything he puts out into the world is just like st- just stunning just 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 the absolute top shelf stunning quality nothing he puts out has a you know a toe out of line and mm. you know he is respected and known for that aspect of mm. his creativity and his you know um, mm. being a creator. Um, and so, yeah, there's just different ways of doing it. So, I've, you know, whilst I, I am happy with the way I do things, I obviously don't want to put that on anybody else. Anyone can do whatever the fuck they want. <laughs> well, I think it's a realistic way of approaching mm. workflow and creating mm. things because I like, you know, if most people wouldn't do things, if we had to wait and get it right, because it would never be right. Cause mm. we'd never done it. Like the, it's a chicken and the egg scenario. It's yeah. pretty simple. Yeah. Um, whether the, 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 breadth to which we the breadth of am i using my english correctly uh how widely that's shared i guess Mm. is then what you say you know you might show a couple of people Mm. um like i did some stuff i did some i did a quick few few little sort of i guess you'd call them trailers but there's no video there's just stills Mm. in final cut recently and like the version that went online is like at least a draft if not third draft um, and I just sort of exported them from Final Cut and was like, oh, I think this is good. Mm. Um, let's text it to three people. Uh, and that was an interesting mm. thing. I think there was a, there was a pretty good, um, there's a whole conversation about where you seek feedback from, which mm. is, which is, I find fascinating. But like, I was just like, you know, I'm going to ask you, you and you, cause I know that you will be appreciating what I'm trying to do and you'll have something good to say about it that can make it better. 
Um, and that's enough. But yeah. that was a, a process. Like, but you know, you didn't see. Um, does that make sense? I think this is just. A, yeah, we're t- agreeing totally because you know, like, you have to know because everybody's got an opinion, right? Yeah. And you have to know <laughs> which of those opinions you want, you respect, and want to listen to. Because mm. just because someone has an opinion and voices their opinion about your work doesn't mean you have to listen to it. Mm. Um, you know, so it, yeah, it totally makes sense to just um, preemptively vet those opinions that you want to seek feedback on. Yeah, that's right. Mm. How many episodes of the pod have you done now? So with the original name, we had 18 episodes. Mm. And so I sort of, um, yeah, sort of decided to push pause and have a reset and a rebrand and, I'm now sort of going into what I'm calling season two, but Lord knows why I'm calling it season two um, with the new brand. Uh, and we're sort of, yeah. At, yeah, episode one of season two, which is my 19th episode overall. You're like me. You put, you like to put things in a box, even if they don't, even if no one else gives a shit. I absolutely <laughs> compartmentalize. I absolutely compartmentalize yeah. my entire life. I have three separate brands that I'm trying to, manhandle their way into, you know, being somewhat successful. <laughs> but yeah. So when did you decide that? Cause, cause the original, the original title was show love. And mm. I, I mean, that, that makes sense, but also that could just be the brand of a wedding film brand. Yeah. It it, it also yeah. could be the name of a um, sort of relationship and, um, you know, love uh, experimental podcast yeah. in the UK, yeah. uh, which it yeah. is, which is uh, one of the reasons why I changed, <laughs> changed the name because we both launched within like a few months of each other. And so we obviously both did our research as to whether the name was available. Um, and then bo- uh, yeah. both launched Show Love, the podcast, within a few months of each other. And then sort of had to, I, I ended up calling That's mine right. Show Love, a podcast for wedding filmmakers. Um, and she kept the nice, clean show love. And so my SEO and everything just went to absolute dog house. Um, yeah. And so I yeah. eventually sort of sort of came to the realization that, look, I'm going to have to, if I'm going to turn this thing into more than just a passion project, um, I'm going to need to, you know, change the name, um, you know, clean all that whole side of things up, make it easy to find, easy to understand. I ended up picking a name that was just a lot less um, – ambiguous for want of a better word um it you know it does well, what it's super it, clean it does like, what it says you know what on it the is. tin you know it's, like anyone who that's right finds that name on instagram or a podcast app or or anywhere if they're a wedding filmmaker they'll go yeah cool i'm i i i, I want to make better wedding films and they'll click it you know it is <laughs> that's right there's no ambiguity about what it's about so yeah i i sort of went about over several months um figuring out how to rebrand that and have, uh, yeah, just recently launched yeah. that, uh, which is pretty cool. That's great. Mm. That's so cool because that was one of the reasons that I reached out to you because I'd just seen that you'd done that and that was fresh. And I was interested in the decision-making behind that because I do feel like that particular, having that having that brand that says that says as, mm. as cleanly as you can what yeah. it is on the tin, mm. um, 
which is a great way of talking about it, by the way. We usually say it does what it says in the box yeah. and the, on the tin. I like yeah. that's great. You just had to you just had to find a word that you to replace that had an <laughs> I or a, and an I in it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, that's right. Yeah. So the so because I was quite interested in that because that looks ex- mm. like it's it's super direct and super clean. Do you just going but just going back for a sec mm. that idea of why we're even making this in the first place mm. um after you've been doing it for 18 episodes how how has the goal around that changed and like your idea of what what even it is and why you're doing it how mm. has that changed yeah so up until recently i was okay with it being a passion project and 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 as a personal yeah. networking tool um, you know that that and it, like whether it made it any money, I didn't really care. It was for me. It was more about um, getting to meet and chat with wedding filmmakers and expand my network that way. Um, mm. I'm now, I guess, wanting to sort of, I, I, you know, I've done that and I've sort of experimented with all you know, with those eighteen episodes and sort of found my feet with mm. how I like to podcast. I'm I'm wanting now to turn it into, you know, a, a part of my income, you know, like with everything that happened with COVID and especially the insecurity around weddings um, mm. and just like long-term goals of going beyond like my income being attached to billable hours, you know, having a different form of income yeah, has, has always been sort of um, somewhat of a goal. And, and through doing the podcast, that's something, that's the, the form factor that I've latched onto being like, okay, this is going to be the thing that's my like different type of income. You know, I've got my my wedding film business, mm-hmm. I've got my like commercial video business, and then I've got this podcast, which is going to be a different type of income, completely separate to the kind of like invoicing clients and invoicing couples that I do with with my other two brands. I feel like a lot of people had a similar conversation with themselves and stuff they were doing over the last twelve months. Mm-hmm. Um. And I and I also think, and this goes on to something that we, I think we were talking about before we started, was that like that's okay, and just having that intent of yeah, I'm doing this, and this is good, and I do, this is I'm not sales is such a dirty word because like the idea of I'm fascinated always with the sale, like I'm never gonna hundred percent remove my idea of what sales are, is that there's always this thing of they're trying to sell me something that isn't good, that is shit. And it's okay to sell someone something when you know that that is a good thing that they could possibly find value in and help and help them ratchet their thing up, whatever they're doing. Yeah. So you can tell I use the word ratchet a lot because you can tell I listen to fucking Seth Godin, of course, like <laughs> what a wanker this guy is, you know, some Australian. Anyway, but that's the thing. Like you've got that, you've, you, you, it's, it's okay to identify. Did, was that something? that you just went, yep, done, I've got to do this? Or was it a, a bit of a processing going, oh, is this is this even okay? Is this weird? Oh, t- totally. Yeah. Like, it, lots of towing and throwing backwards and forwarding. Like it, lots of um, imposter s- syndrome, you know, like mm. wondering if it's the right thing to do um, because it's a lot of time, it's a lot of – like time investment and now with the new brand i'm actually putting like money investment in terms of like doing some advertising and i'm starting to put actual like 
hard cash behind it. And when you've got, mm. you know, mortgage and a family and, and, and all that sort of stuff, it's, you, you've actually got some responsibility with, you know, behind those decisions. Um, and it's not mm. just, it's not just sort of games anymore. It's not just a passion project. It's sort of something that you're having to, um, you know, think really, you know, properly about and go, is this what I want to be spending my, you know, time and money and effort on and, in the hopes that it's going to um, open some new doors in the future. Mm. Um, and you can prepare mm. as much as you want for that. Yeah. But you're sort of eventually going to have to pull the trigger. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, I think even just talking about things and how, how you can take a step back and seeing how all these different parts of your life work together as a puzzle, um, you know, and everyone's been doing that a lot over the past 12 months, I think in some sort of accelerated way in, in, mm. t- in terms of if they, if they perhaps hadn't before, maybe this is, this has pushed them into being a, a mm. bit more conscious of that. Um, do you, do you think that like how much room do you feel like you've got in your life to like, has, have you got, ha, is there a passion project that's replaced that? Or have you just gone, no, I, I have to, I'm doing this and I'm doing this and my energy that is non-income related is, you know, family. Yeah some friends that you can try and see. I mean, it's so, yeah. it's so hard. I know. You know it's, with our hours yeah, it's, we do, it's weird. It's, it's, it's a lot. And I'm getting to the point because up until, well, not up until now, including now, I've always just worked like basically like for myself and I've, uh, besides the odd subcontractor, I've just, I've, I've done everything. And, mm-hmm. um, right in the early days um, when my dad was helping me um, figure out the whole like, you know, um, self-employed thing. And he was like helping me set up, you know, the framework of my business. He was like, um, eventually, like if you want to get to the point where you're like employing people, you are going to have to be so absolutely flat out off your feet um, that you just can't comprehend doing any more work. And I feel like I'm mm. nearly there, <laughs> you know, like between, <laughs> between, the, between like the wedding films and the, yep. you know, like between, yeah, between like side yep. project video lab, which is my commercial thing. And now ramping up the podcast, like since ramping up the podcast um, and with my commercial business, like my main client with that, have they've ramped up what they want from me this year hugely. And so I'm feeling like really stretched mm. and really like sort of frantic. Um, you know, like I was chatting with my wife the other night and she, we were saying like, I think, I think this is the year, you know, I, I think this time next year you'll be employing someone, you know? And so, yeah, mm. I definitely feel yeah. like I'm, I, I don't have any, any room for any more kind of like passion projects. I'm like, I've got my, my three brands that I'm sort of hustling with. Yeah. And then everything outside of that's just family, friends, you know, I've got my, I've got, I've got, a, like a, yeah. I've got a 15 month old son who's an absolute handful um, and Imagine. yeah, it's the three of yeah. us at home. My wife's just starting a PhD this year. So she's, and you know, got the de- desk behind me and we're just sort of like sharing right. time that I'm like trying to like roster on. She's on mornings, I'm on afternoons and evenings <laughs> and we're taking turns watching. Milo I should let you get back to work. <laughs> I mean, this is work. This is, that. this is all part of it. Yeah, you know? this, is, right. this is, this is, right. this is networking and it's meeting people. And I think a the lot gamut. of people don't put, um, and I certainly, but, but before starting the podcast and realizing the power of networking, I think a lot of people don't um, give that the weight that it needs. You know, people sometimes see net- networking as like 
time away from work, whereas it's still, it's all part of it, you know? That said, in terms of, because I, I, I didn't know that you did, that you sort of started out filming dance. I mean, I started out photographing theatre. Um, and, and I, and I, and I, I hesitate to say this, but I do, I do use this. I do say this a lot and I really feel like that's where our real core strength of my work comes from is that I, I had to learn photographing something that I couldn't fuck around with. Mm. And if I missed it, it was not going to happen again. Um, and it all happened inside this period of like under two hours. Yeah. So like I had just had to be good. Like I just Mm. had to be really good at it and that was it. And so I, but that's, that's going, that's a slight tangent, but going into the dance stuff, what that's allowed, um, like, do you, do you, do you feel like, is there anything in that? Are you still filming anything like that? Or do you still deign to take on any of that sort of work because it's just something that you still love and you're connected to in that space? Yes. Yeah, Even so, if it's like, you know, semi-budget, quarter budget yeah. sort of shit, you know? So it's funny, like the, the, the dance side of things, it's a completely, like, completely different part of my life. You know, like I completely sort of moved on from the dance side of things and outside of carrying over some really good friends um, from my, you know, dancing days, um, I don't really have anything to do with the dance world anymore. And there was a really great time when I was like young and at uni and I was doing all sorts of like weird, I like, that was my experimental phase with like filmmaking, like doing sorts of like weird dance films and figuring out my style through that. That was a really cool time. But I think sort of from turning um, every, any time I picked up my camera, I feel like I felt like I had to be making money. Mm. And I wonder, I'm just sort of just thinking about this as I'm talking. I wonder now that be, with the podcast, because it was a different format, I felt like I could allow myself to experiment with that for no money. <laughs> because it wasn't like my job, you know, like me picking up a camera and filming became my job. And if I wasn't making money from it, I felt like, why, why am I doing this? Yeah. Um, So yeah. um, The dancing stuff sort of just got sort of left by the wayside, but um, yeah, I certainly carried a lot. I carry like all of that, you know, into my work now. It's, you know, subconsciously. Yeah. I, I think that it's such a crazy, like people could talk for hours around this. And I think this is somewhat related to maybe it's somewhat related to creative diet. And that's a good, like mm-hmm. go back to the listen to the episode with Cy, um yeah. that I did and your podcast where Sai came on your podcast yeah. and talked about it's, uh, just, it, you yeah. know, just listen to Sai. Just listen to Sai. Yeah, just if you, if you <laughs> can do anything with your life is just listen to Sai more talk. Talk about, about other photographers. Yeah. anything at all <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's where yeah. i'm at right now because yeah. i'm about to sort of I'm, I'm i'm actually really about to commit to mm. um to some some time away from uh which i have not done for years since mm. i studied to actually some serious time like a week at a time in in another city um i don't know how it's going to work logistically but to shoot to shoot a book um to shoot a street photography book which is something i've always wanted to do awesome. um and even just thinking about because it's something that's always in it's always informed what I do in my work. It's really heavily in weddings, of course, because mm-hmm. it's so unscripted most of the day. Um and so and I'm quite heavily a, a, a sort of a documentary style photographer. I like I enjoy telling people to go stand in nice light, like it's great, like it's wonderful. 
it's a wonderful respite from the chaos, but I thrive on the chaos. And I mm. think that with wedding filmmaking, maybe that's, that's a good question actually, but and I'll just jump on that. But, but it, it feels so much of how I do things. And I, when I do pick up a camera to make money um, and it's something that I kind of want to just actually then sort of go, well, you know, I could make not a ton of money. Like, you, you know, who's selling photo books and making a shit ton of money? Like nobody, but I think it's like as a creative project to do, and having an end goal that it's going to be a book and that it's going to, that I'm going to try and sell it and flog it. I, I, I don't know. I'm so fresh in that space, but um, where was I going? Um, but yeah, I think that that's a conversation that I've been having with myself a lot recently. And so that's a whole thing. Um, do you think, do you, super, super tangent that I just alluded to there, like there with how I was talking about with the documentary style, um, shooting wedding films, like how much more is your mindset than different with how you have to plan things and how, being aware of things? Let, not even talking about audio because I know mm. that's the whole thing, but in terms of the shots and the, how you go sort of making that happen. Um, in terms of like, you know, just like the, the process of like filming a wedding, like what I'm thinking of and what I'm planning and what I'm just doing yeah. off the fly. We're super, we've just completely um, gone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, I, I like to, I guess like have partly comfort, partly like crazy. And so I like to just like find stuff that I know I like and sort of like put that in my little like bag of goodies that I know I can like pull out on a wedding day. And I also like to just see what happens and not plan everything. And I think like the more I'm going along, the more I'm wanting to experiment more with um, like directing and um, constructing certain scenes because I've Mm. certainly for most of my wedding film career, I certainly like leaned on the photographer and that has its pros and and its cons, you know, yeah. You you don't get in their way and you don't af- sort of like affect or impact or, um, you know, yeah, impact the way that they are used to working. They just get to do, they just get to work how they are, are used to working. Um, and a lot of photographers mm. like that. And you get to learn a lot. Like every time you go to a wedding and you work with an amazing photographer, it's like a mini, you know, workshop, getting to see like how they direct couples, yeah. how they use light, you know, um, how they pose, um, all these things, and if you're switched on and you're like wanting to absorb that, you can like you can learn a lot from a lot of di- different photographers. Um, I think it's one of the mm. one of the sort of um, not really talked about bonuses of being a videographer is is learning from so many different amazing photographers as part of your job, like getting paid for. Interesting, it. Um, but yeah, I sort of over the time I've like sort of gathered stuff that I like. Like I love time lapses at the moment. So like every time I go to a wedding, I make sure I'm like doing lots of time lapses. I've fallen fallen in love with these little like DV old nineties handy cams and I'll bring them along to a wedding, like give them to guests and they can like film just random nonsense oh. crap. And it's gold. It's absolute gold. What comes that's, out of those cameras. Um, that's and, really clever because yeah. everyone's obsessed with like super eight and stuff, but yeah, it costs so much fucking money. It does cost a lot of money. And the thing the thing with Super 8 for me is that it's it's cool, it's vintage, it's sexy. But I don't know about you, but I grew up with my family memories being recorded on DV tape. I didn't yeah. grow up with family movies recorded on Super 8. 
you know my my yep. childhood memories are the dv cam look and feel so for yeah. me that has all of my childhood nostalgia wrapped up in that look so and yeah. and, and and i'm of the same age that my couples are so when my couples see yeah. their friends and their family and that kind of and look that, the look that their that childhood home memories so have sense to me it brings all this nostalgia <laughs> up with it you know so i've, I've I'm, I'm loving you and they're like the it's a lot cheaper than Super 8, so that's a plus as yeah, well. Yeah, it's a lot cheaper. Yeah. So. It's so cheap. Yeah. What did you? What have you got for those? Like, do you, have you, do you kind of, the more random and motley, the the better, or, in or terms of the like actual, a couple of the like, same things? Into the yeah, actual cameras. cameras themselves. Yeah. Um, they're just like random Panasonic DB cameras I got off eBay. They're Amazing. like 20 bucks each. Fuck, yeah. that's great. My dad's probably got something yeah. so, lying around like that that's the same. Yeah. I mean, it's just honestly oh no gosh. amount of like VCR filter on Final Cut or Premiere will come close to an actual DV cam. Mm. And you can still do yeah. bad crash zooms and like way too tight crops. Oh, I love a good crash zoom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah like it's, it. it's great. Yeah. Oh, mate. That's wonderful because, like, that's that's clearly identifying. I I like that as a whole thing because that's clearly identifying something where, um, where people have people are only interested in the extremes of an idea and sort of forget that there's there's this gamut of other things. Like, um, I know I bash about on this all the time. And if you follow me, if you follow the baby got back on Instagram, you'll see me ranting about this. Mm. But like. In terms of backups and stuff, everyone talks about NAS, 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 and mm. and then they just forget that there's this other gamut of like a whole bunch of other ways that you can like do things, and people just go buy a NAS, it's fine, you fixed mm. it, and it's like, well, you haven't just instead of you're just seeing the tent poles and you're not actually going, well, actually, let's think about what we're trying to achieve and how can we get there, because mm. um, that makes total sense to me that you've gone with Mini DV. Mm. Um, do you let's let's take a, another dog leg here and go into the yeah into the sort of the the logistics of things like yeah. roughly how many weddings do you shoot a year and how how does that kind of work for you managing those mm. managing those timelines and those workflows yeah so I would shoot between fifteen and twenty weddings a year um, with COVID. It all got a bit weird, and yep. so I and I'd like added live streaming since COVID. So like mm. some of my weddings are just live streams, and some of them are like weddings and live streams, and it was all over the show. Um, yeah, so I've got between fifteen and twenty weddings. Um, about another sort of like how much work that is. Another like third. It's got like my wedding stuff is maybe like sixty to seventy percent of my workload. And then, mm. like, I've got, you know, commercial stuff on top of that. Mm. Um, and in terms of the managing and logistics and, like, just keeping on top of everything, um, I use uh, Studio Ninja as my CRM. Mm. I've been using that for a few years, and I do not know how I handled life without a CRM. <laughs> I honestly, I I do not understand it. Well, it, I will tell you what happened. I, I, um, I double booked weddings. Yep. And I missed emails and yep. I was frantically emailing couples the day before the wedding, trying to find out addresses because I hadn't asked for it. And, you know, mm. I, I couldn't keep on top of it. So, mm. um, since getting the CRM and, you know, putting the time into building workflows and email 
automations and um you know packages and contracts and all that kind of stuff like it's just it's just taken all the stress off for stuff that didn't need to be a stress you know stuff that yeah. you, the stuff that happens it has to happen for every single wedding you know we do these jobs that are repetitive by nature yeah totally yeah they're, other than the wedding other than right the way the wedding looks, you know? yeah totally yeah 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 um that was something that i discovered a, a while ago i never I, I never i never blew up as a as a as a biz like i'm mm-hmm. i never had a year where i where i crashed mm-hmm. um and i feel like the story that we always hear is that people people talk about um you know and people on podcasts yeah. talk about that as a thing like it's mm-hmm. a thing i uh you know i did that was my massive year and then i burnt out and i nearly quit and blah 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 mm-hmm. um and I feel like I heard that story enough going to workshops uh, when I was sort of starting out and even now that I just go, well, yeah, but what about everyone who didn't do that? What did they do? I guess they just sort of started figuring things out. So I feel like I kind of just figured things out yeah. quick and soon enough and I'm quite grateful of that. But that's the thing. Like there's so much stuff that is the same. Um, and in terms of your and in terms of your like editing and all that stuff, like all of that stuff is, is actually so inherently manageable. Mm. Um, are there, are there systems in terms of for photography and stuff? Mm. There's a lot of, I, I mean, some of the audience of this pod might just might not know, like for photography and stuff, there's a really well-established um, industry of support in terms of software and um, like things like presets and also things mm. like galleries in terms of yeah. video that space to me feels a little younger. Like, tell me, yeah, tell and that me a bit goes that. back to what we were talking about earlier around the, the the actual, you know, craft of wedding filmmaking itself being younger than photography. Mm. So, you know, there's mm. a, we 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 are lacking a lot of the third party support for everything that goes around, like especially around the client experience mm. with galleries and stuff. And I think because, too, like photography. As a product, it's lots of little things. And so mm. having an elegant way to show lots of little things is a mm. product that, mm. um, you know, photographers would want. Whereas with video, it's one thing. And mm. it's, and it's, and like people watch, people, people know how to watch videos. They're either going to watch it on their phone or their TV and it's just going to be playing there. Yep. So yep. like there's actually, there's actually not in too much in terms of the client delivery, there's not too, too much outside of like putting it on Vimeo and not on YouTube. So that's covered in ads um, yeah. that you can really, <laughs> you know, do wrong. Um, yeah. I mean, you, you, you can get fancier and fancier with it and have like landing pages on your website and stuff. I don't really do that. Like I know a lot of people, I mean, I, don't, I know some people do, but I haven't gone that full whole hog. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, third-party software and stuff. It's just certainly a bit more of a, I guess, a, a wild west. There's not sort of the the um, the breadth of options that photographers have. If there's one thing you could tell to someone who's starting out now, some good mm. advice, what mm. would it be? What would it be? I mean, probably something that I never did and it was, it would be to like shoot with other video videographers. I've never really second shot for anyone. 
Um, mm. But I was lucky enough to get in on the game early enough that I would just happen to work with a lot of great photographers right off the bat because there mm. were hardly any videographers. And so I just happened to end up working with great photographers right off the mm-hmm. bat and was mm-hmm. really lucky in that regards. And I learned a lot from them. And I think like videographers coming in the space now won't be as lucky because the, you know, field is that much fuller. Um, and so I think what you can mm. do is, is shoot for other videographers and learn that way because in, in that regards, you're getting both aspects you're learning from videographers and you're also getting on the weddings that those amazing photographers are on too. And like, mm. yeah, I feel like I've learned in terms of my like visual, um, like, yeah, skill basically in terms of seeing light and composition and all and all of that, that has come down to the photographers that I've worked with. Um, so yeah, just, mm. just getting to work with as many different people as you can meeting as many different people as you can. Um, and like I was talking about Sai earlier, you know, what Sai always goes on about is the creative diet, you know, like who you're filling your creative, you know, cup full with, but you know, in terms of like what you're yeah. looking at, but also who you're working with. So I think that would be yeah. what I would say to people is, yeah, um, just try and work with awesome people. Ah, oh, mate, mm. I think that's a great way to wrap it up. Um, thank you so much for your time and thank you your, for having me. So this is the first, oh mate, pleasure. You, you're the first, uh, solo videographer that we've had on the, on the, on this podcast. I'll put everything in the show notes with all the links, but if you wanted to shout out your Instagram, where can the good people of this internet find you? Good people of the internet can find me if they want to watch my wedding films it's at side project films on instagram if you want to learn about wedding filmmaking and you know through with, with my podcast and stuff at make better wedding films um and yeah that's sort of either of those two probably for this audience is sort of yeah either of those is where, you, where you'll find yeah. me rabbiting on instagram and podcast stuff Awesome. Thank you so much. Um, guys, this has been the first episode back for 2021. Uh, thank you for being patient. I had a massive break and now I'm in the zone of making some more apps. So please, uh, you know, uh, follow, follow the show on Instagram or follow, the show, follow, follow the whole thing on Instagram. Thanks, Ben. Thank you for listening and I'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Appreciate it. See you.